0: everybody, uh, if the technology would help, there we go, <laughs> Jesus, when you click a button and nothing happens, that's when stuff goes sideways. Welcome to the latest episode of Two Wizards and a Mic, where a couple of old dudes who have been playing d since the 1970s uh, ha- try to tell you how to have a better game, because that's just how helpful we are. So I am Shane. And I am Andrew. And eventually, we will be so old that our podcast will have been running for at least 7,000 episodes. <laughs> First of all, before we do anything, I want everyone to know that this podcast is sponsored by Kaywood Publishing at worldofmirror.com. You can buy all kinds of cool stuff there, and if you don't, I pity you. Um, this week, we're talking about making a dungeon adventure, however... There is a Kickstarter currently underway. What is the latest? All right. The latest is live.
1: Um, All right. We are at 420 backers, which is fantastic.
0: Excellent. And that
1: is uh, about 80% funded. So that's really good. Yeah. We have eight days to go. And um, we have over 600 people signed up for the 48-hour alert. So Kickstarter will send out a notice to you, an email saying, hey, the project's going to end in two days. How would you like to join it? And uh, we have over 600 of those people. So hopefully a lot of them will join on. And uh, yeah, it's it's rolling along. It's in good shape. And we're pretty excited about making a, a really good book, probably the best yet. And nice. we just found out that an interview we did with EN uh, uh, World is going to have an article published on Thursday, so that should help. That should help bring some people on board. And um, yeah, I just want to thank all th- that small group of people really who's helped us get the word out. We don't have thousands of dollars for advertising, um, yeah. and we're a small team of three. To do this project. So um, it's really a very small group, people all over the world who are helping to get the, the word out. And a lot of third party companies like ours, who, you know, we help out when they need something and they help us out. And uh, yeah, I just really want to thank all those people. And many of them go into the special
0: thanks in the book. Nice. Well, especially, didn't you tell me Uh, maybe two books ago, that there always is this rush. Like, I guess that's what the 48 hour notice is about. Like, there's a huge rush at the end.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even before they did that alert, though, the end was always, uh, usually a good, a good push. I know, I think our first Kickstarter, first really big Kickstarter, Monsters of Feyland, I think 20% of the funding came in the last like two hours. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah. So, the, and then now that with the alert, usually that last day or two is usually quite strong. Um, and there are quite a lot of people who are waiting to see where the Kickstarter is, how it's doing and where it's going to fit. Um, nice. Although it would help if those people join in because <laughs> then the Kickstarter gets a lot of momentum and does well. If everybody is just watching and not joining, um, so, yeah, we hope we help a lot of people make that
0: take that leap of faith. Well, I'm happy about that because and I and I want to say as well that that uh, supporting small projects like this is so important because uh I think the bulk of people that create content uh, for the, you know, a lot of different role playing games, but well for D&D. Uh, are small groups of people. Like you just said, three people are working on this. Um, and I just want you guys to know that it takes a lot of work to do this. To do the same level of quality as a large publisher is huge. I, I have myself have seen so many Kickstarters that have come and gone uh, that even got to the point where they were printed and sent off to, to people but we're just basically word documents that no one really knew how to format properly. I mean, all the power to somebody trying to make something, but at the same time uh, to do stuff at the same level as you know, people with a lot of money behind them uh, is kind of an incredible feat. And Andrew, you have done it so many times now. Uh I'm surprised that you haven't like you know run off into the woods and said forget it I can't take the stress. <laughs> but uh so kudos to you uh, for doing that because I have nothing to do with the kickstarters. I just want them to be successful. Uh, because I at the end of the day give Andrew money and I get a really great product. So there you go. And for anyone who thinks that I'm here getting paid to do this, are you kidding me? I just get to go and play d d with cool people. So that's my reward. Um, you know, which reminds me, I still haven't picked up my Phelan 2 book. I got to pick that up next time that we yeah, play in person. Sitting, yeah, it's sitting right here.
1: Yeah, it looks like we might be back playing in person next month.
0: Yes, I'm excited awesome. about that. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, again, thank you all for supporting uh, the Kickstarter for KW Publishing because it means a lot to me and to a bunch of people. So, but today, let's get cruel ma ha 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 we're talking about making dungeons and uh basically uh for me i have been doing this for a very long time just for myself and the games that i've done uh andrew does it probably what 17 20 hours a day something like that so um what is the very first thing that somebody needs to know in order to get a dungeon adventure rolling
1: Well, the most important thing is the story, I think, no matter what you're doing. So, yeah, first, you have to have a good story. Um, There are a lot of classic dungeon adventures, we've mentioned some of those in the, uh, you know, the last few shows. So there, of course, is the classic story of the heroes being hired by someone to go find a magical item or go rescue somebody. So, that's one general kind of idea of starting the dungeon adventure. And um, another one would be finding a map, a treasure map, or, or any kind of map that has a right. location identified and you find out that's a dungeon. Maybe you only find out when you get there. Um, there's the other another classic story when the local pe- people need help and, you know, yeah. maybe the villain is using the dungeon as their headquarters and they're raiding the village or they're haunting the village.
0: I think that's a very common one. Like that one seems mm-hmm. to me, uh, helping somebody else, which is kind of funny because it's such a D and D thing to do. Uh, you know, you walk into anywhere as a character and if somebody asks for help, your first instinct is totally, I'm going to totally help you. You know, it could be a scab. it could be something horrible, but that's the cool part is that you don't really know, but you're hoping that, uh, that helping out is a good thing. Um, I, I really like this in the notes, the surprise to find a dungeon. I've never thought of that before of like, uh, we're an adventuring party. Wah! You know, so like Batman, you know, falling mm-hmm. into a pit of, of, uh, of bats. I think that's such a cool idea.
1: Yeah, or you just, like I said, you just have a, a map and there's a location marked and you go there and that, that's, you might be expecting it's a village or it's a castle or something and you find maybe there's nothing and then you find an entrance to a dungeon. Um, yeah. Another one, like, especially back in the day with a lot of combat-focused stories, the dungeon as a fortress is always a good one. It's easy to defend, you know, like a castle or a keep or a dungeon or a cave from a larger group and um then there's you know a dungeon that's a tomb uh treasure vault that's always motivating for the characters um (laughs) i like i like actually the one having one underneath a manor or you know some sort of building underneath an inn tavern i like that quite a bit then there's the wizard headquarters like in this new book we're going to have a whole section called arcane dungeons which actually you can download for free right now on the kickstarter and um I love that idea of having a wizard, basically like a wizard's tower, a wizard's um, workshop, but it's in a dungeon. Um, there's lots of like different factions that would use a dungeon, like bandits, um, the Thieves Guild. And then I also like the idea of dungeons that have tunnels that lead everywhere. So maybe you're on the coast and you you know arrive on the coast and you find a sea cave. And you discover something there, and then there's an entranceway, and that entranceway leads you into a tunnel that ends up in a dungeon.
0: A la sort of the goonies and that kind of stuff back in the day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, So I
1: I, I like that one quite a bit, too. Um, So that, you know, you've got your general story. Then you want to have, obviously, you know, the big bad evil guy, your villain. So there's, you know, there's liches, dragons, wizards especially necromancers, Um, the evil priest. That's a very kind of old school version, Um, a bandit lord, slave lord, um, a master thief. So there's many kinds of creatures, although it's more likely you're more likely in a medieval type classic fantasy game. It's more likely that your dungeon villain will end up being some sort of humanoid because it's a man-made structure but not always like a dragon could be in there. A beholder possibly could be in there, but it's more likely like that. It's going to be a humanoid.
0: I kind of like the one I like the adventures when you're in a dungeon that are like you're infiltrating a base and I of some sort that's not necessarily a dragon lair or, a, you know, a lich, mm-hmm. but. It, it Mainly because for the longest time, I've always loved that idea that you could, in theory, have an adventure where you do zero fighting. That you are stealthing the whole way and you sneak in, you get the, what you need or what you want, and then you get out. I've never, ever had that happen in a game before because it's kind of impossible because you're always going to fail some stealth check somewhere. But I always have just liked that idea that you have the ability to go into some sort of elaborate network of caves or some sort of underground uh, constructed dungeon that's laid out in a certain way like you know you've got where the barracks are you've got the you know where the main you know headquarters area is with whatever it is you're trying to get um i just love that idea and i there's probably a ton of movies out there that have influenced that uh, over the years but still the kind of heist-ish stuff I, mm-hmm. I i think would be very cool as, as a concept in a game again dice are cruel <laughs> you're never ever going to pull that off but you know i could always wish yeah that's a good point that
1: reminds me of the giant series quite a bit so g1 yeah. to 3 against the giants uh that's what that feels like to me you're sneaking in you don't really want to deal with the giants head on so that one, yeah, that's a good example, I think. Um, then, of course, you have all the minions of these uh, leaders, the villains. You have wandering monsters. Again, you're going to have quite a few humanoids probably in a dungeon. Um, things like oozes and small beasts, which we've mentioned before. Um, then you want to consider the size. You know, There can be very, very small dungeons, like underneath a, a small tavern. Two immense dungeons, like the Mines of Moria in uh, Lord of the Rings, where you have, yeah, you know, 200 foot tall statues and, you know, 500 foot tall columns. And,
0: and I'm actually... waiting for that adventure where your addiction to having statues that come to life <laughs> are 200 feet tall. Well, speaking of that,
1: <laughs> as we go, through... I better leave now. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to divide the book into seven different types of dungeons and I'm editing it right now. And the last type of dungeon are the mountain dungeons. And all I think about when I'm doing this are the Minds of Moria sized dungeons. <laughs> so I was looking today at the CRs. So if you look through the arcane dungeon, the one that's downloadable on the Kickstarter page, so the, down, the CRs are like one, two, three, you know, seven, two, one, one, three. And then you look, I was looking today in the monster, in the, the mountain dungeon section. It's like 5, 9, 15, 17, 30, <laughs> 16. <laughs> like, um, yes, there's a CR 30 creature in the mountain dungeon. So have fun with that.
0: Oh, God, that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, why consider, not? You know, the challenge is there to be had, and the challenge, you know, challenge accepted.
1: Yeah, and again, <laughs> you you want to have a good challenge, so that would be high level party, obviously. Um, so you want to consider the size. There's a huge range and the layout. You know, there's. It's not like again when we started playing in the seventies. You can just go online and there's dungeon generators everywhere, and there's maps everywhere. So if you want to look for a dungeon layout. Just to get some ideas, you can do that easily, or you can just be extremely creative and do your own thing. Um, next entrances. So, this is a classic part of dungeons. You know, is there a key to the entrance? Is there a riddle, like a magic mouth on the door that asks you a riddle to open? Is there a magical, you know, magical protection on the door? And then I love like false doors and false entrances. You know, and a good place to put traps.
0: Yeah, Tomb of Horrors
1: had that, I think, if I remember correctly. I think we mentioned that uh,
0: last time. Yeah,
1: more than one. And um, Lost Caverns of Sojicanth also has that. Spoiler alert. Um, And I also like foreshadowing things. So the, the earliest you can do that is at the entrance. So, for example, if I had a dungeon maybe where a vampire was, Maybe I would just have like a little door handle with like a little gargle face on it. And maybe there was some bats carved into the stone, right? If there was a demon, maybe I would have like a demonic figure carved in with like a little tail and horns. I like to have those little elements and you can add those to your dungeon all over. But doing them right at the beginning is like a little hint to the players, you know, which I like. I like that quite a bit.
0: I was just going to say that uh, I seem to recall that what was the adventure? It was the one near Knox. We were close to Knox. We weren't at the city yet. Mm -hmm. And I've forgotten what the encounter was. But it was in hindsight where you just said in an offhanded kind of way, oh yeah, there's the thing on the side of the road. Side of the road we were talking about. Going back in the notes. No one had written it down. Like There was no record of it. Although it might do we record the audio at that for those ones yeah know. we we were still recording audio then, yeah, if we did, it was probably in there, but yeah i I remember a few times going back and 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 just kind of going mm, yes, thanks for that. The large dragon that just ate the whole party uh there was like a talon on the ground then if you noticed it, great, if you didn't, you know whatever, just a, right. just a tiny detail.
1: Yeah, just something that, you know, if you want to pay attention to it, fine. If you don't, I'm just going to keep going.
0: <laughs> My passive
1: perception is garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Another thing to consider, we've talked a lot about is light issues with the dungeons. So you could have no lights, no no sconces with torches, you know, really challenge the party. You could make it super easy and have everything lit with torches. Um, yeah. It's something to consider. you could you could mix them up. That's usually what I do is I mix it up a bit. Um, the natural environment. So a lot of dungeons have cavern um, elements to them or big areas that are caverns because it's so easily because dungeons are built into a natural um, foundation. and it's so easy for their, you know, there to be a hole in the wall and then now you're in a cavern. With the rocky cavern so the two really go together quite a bit like cave yeah. adventure and dungeon adventure are really kind of they really sort of blend together in many ways so you can do that you could have okay you know there's a hole in the wall here and now this is allowed like troglodytes to come from the underworld underworld into the dungeon or you know other creatures that's how you can have more monsters in your dungeon too is if there's places where the dungeon's broken or being abandoned and now the natural creatures of the, you know, in that location can get in.
0: Yeah, there's lots of times where, like, this happens, I think, in every adventure. Uh, Going back to G1 through 3, I mean, that happened a couple times where you, if I remember correctly, you could actually enter that dungeon from the opposite direction rather than going through the traditional way. Um, I've forgotten exactly how that was played out in, in, in one of those modules, but... You could actually wander off and find a cave that actually got you down to like a a second level or something. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those things, you you have like water erosion, you have underground lakes or rivers and stuff like that. Um, You know, cave-ins or or somebody else or a creature has tunneled in and you've just kind of followed the tunnel, not realizing what it was. And then it's like, oh, I'm suddenly in a basement of somewhere. Like, where, where is this? And that's quite common. For a lot of the dungeon adventures that that we've been on, and um, I think it is almost kind of a kind of a, a cool thing to do, where you actually take. It. I'm not going through the front door. No, no. I've heard there's a back door. There's some other way in, and it's kind of like dungeons in, uh, say, Skyrim, where. Uh, you know that where you're wandering into there's somewhere that you can't quite see are usually up up high is where you come out and then you jump down and then you go up the front door again. Um, I'm trying to remember if there were any dungeons that had, if you walked in one way and you exited another, could you do it the other way around in Skyrim? I can't remember, but those kinds of dungeons are, are I don't know. I just, I kind of like those, the alternative that you don't have to go through. The usual way, yeah, yeah. I like
1: that. I like to give the players usually more choices, and I think usually the bigger dungeon, the more there are. And I I like to give lots of routes of and think about where you know how's the party going to come in, how what's the where's the fight going to be, how are they going to get out, you know what options do they have. So it's a good point to mention about entrances too, because some people don't like giving these days don't like having riddles and or getting a key or something where you have to have this, otherwise you can't get through. So I I think it's nice to have options. They don't like challenge. What? what? Well, it's, yeah, it's sort of a new, a new thing uh, that come up in the last few years from what I've seen. Um, But I, I think it is nice to have those different options. So, you know, maybe you could smash the door
0: in, maybe you can search for an alternate entrance um and i mean the reality is dungeons aren't just aren't normally a waltz right in kind of thing like uh no. the older the dungeon the more decrepit it's going to become the more worn out it's going to be if it's not maintained by whatever inhabitants are there because you know uh, an owl bear or spiders or something that you generally will run across are not going to like well, there's no one invading us today, but uh, let's uh, let's get on the scaffolding, boys. We got to get the you know fix the door. I'm like they're not going to do that. That's not what they're there for. But um, but you know, but other other places like I don't know uh, orcs and stuff like that in like in uh, in in Mordor. You know, they built these large constructs because they were told to, and you know it's to repair whatever's there and uh, to defend it better or whatever the logic is. But you're never going to, you know, imagine walking in to a dungeon on day one after completion. You know, you've got like, you know, the evil uh, wizard is like on the doorknob with a with a rag. And then (laughs) us idiots come walking in. Hey, we heard there's something really cool here. You know, I mean, what if a dungeon was pristine and had, had not been inhabited yet? just like whoever built it is there. And it's like, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I love that idea. Like the guard rotation hasn't been set up properly. People it's not organized,
0: right? Things are like, broken. Like the door. How they did they get be- the gem? Oh, yeah. the Barry hadn't shown the up door. yet. <laughs> the locks will arrive on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. There's a marking on the floor
1: that says, put the treasure chest here, but it hasn't come in yet. Right.
0: Oh, that would be so awesome. Yeah. I challenged somebody out there to make an adventure on day one of it being completed, but it hasn't been, you know, populated properly yet.
1: Yeah. I think the, I think it is more interesting having those dungeons where the natural world has come in more. So, you know, there's holes that go into caverns. There's like you said, underwater rivers or lakes. Um, You can describe how things have got wet and there's water dripping down the side of the maybe some down the side of the wall. There's plants that are starting to grow in the cracks. So I think those dungeons are really cool. They have more a character. Oh, totally. Um, and then of course, all the different kinds of doors and gates that you have in a dungeon. So they could have traps. You could have a portcullis that has, you know, they have to, you know, they have to find a different way of opening this. Um, there could be portals that maybe transport you to a different part of the dungeon or, another world um that has happened traps we've mentioned a lot so obviously you know you could have traps throughout um and then riddles and puzzles i personally love and i would i would give the players options in terms of having alternate you know other ways to go through or you know maybe they just don't get you know, at certain times, maybe they just don't find that a treasure there because they couldn't open that door because they didn't solve that riddle. Um,
0: but I like yeah, that I kind of like stuff, it. you know, the challenge is there. It needs to be there. And hearing that there is, I guess some voices out there about D and D who are, who think that having a key to the front door of a dungeon, whatever the key sort of manifests as is kind of sad because You look at every single, say, video game, you look at board games, you look at, uh, you know, there's there's puzzles everywhere. And that's the part of the enjoyment is that you have that sense of accomplishment. And if you're not doing that, if you are saying, ah, come on, why can't we just get to the treasure? Then find the alternative door, dodge all the monsters, be boring, and then go and play a video game instead. Like that's just that just kind of frustrates me. As, as somebody, it's like the point of the game is to have fun, but part of the fun are all these things you can do the you, the weird, crazy situations that you can have a part in building, like climbing up a monster's face and stabbing it that close range, or 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 what do you mean? hey guys, I think that the word in Elvish is blah, and suddenly the sparkly door opens. Like, I mean. In Lord of the Rings, getting through that that one door in Moria was basically like them sitting around. I think in the book, it's like they're sitting around for like five days, kind of going, "How do we open this door?" I can't remember. I don't know. Try hitting your head on it again. You know, there's all mm-hmm. these ridiculous things that can happen, but it also begs the players to get inventive. Of hey, guys, you know, if we walk around this way for a day, maybe we'll find a different way in because we know this place is huge. You know that kind of stuff, and the DM can be like. Oh, I didn't think of that. All right. Oh, suddenly there's a big crack uh, two miles down the wall of this large mountain. So go in that way. You know, there's it allows you to have the creativity to build the fun. And I think that it if if there are people out there that are kind of poo pooing on that, to you guys.
1: <laughs> um, okay. And there's also the possibility of having magical walls in the dungeon um glyphs like magical glyphs that could be on the floor on a door on an entrance Um, and illusions this this is a very popular thing back in the day is illusions in the dungeon um and then i also mentioned statues as shane said i always like to have statues around um because usually it's fine nothing's gonna happen but then once in a while (laughs) slam and then they you know they get casual and they get all cocky and Everything's fine. And then slam. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good thing to, uh, to do. And I know in our underworld book, originally the first monster alphabetically was going to be an angel. And just before we had it published, I was like, there's no way I should have an underworld book where the first monster is an angel. It's just wrong. And so we substituted an animated statue because it started with a, and, uh, Yeah, and it it was quite appropriate. Another thing you can have in dungeons, which is great, are arrow slits or murder holes where the players get into a larger space or a hallway and you've got usually humanoids with bows or crossbows
0: waiting to attack. I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't think I have had that happened where we've actually had some form of uh, well, murder holes. You, I love that <laughs> murder holes, but yeah, but not, you know, kind of like that whole idea that you're going into a dungeon. I mean, th- th- this was common in uh like bunkers and things in, in world mm-hmm. war II and stuff where you had these small hallways that basically were like, if they get this far, yeah, there's right. a machine gun right there just to like mow them all down. Yeah. But, you don't see that a lot in dungeons these no. days. No, not so, enough. Yeah, that, that actually, <laughs> oh, now that I've said it out loud, I know we're going to be playing soon. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs>
1: All right. Now, as part of the layout in the dungeon and going from chamber to chamber, obviously you have passages usually made out of stone, but sometimes they could be, you know, natural rock. Um, these are great areas because the fighting can be in close quarters it gets complicated. Movement gets complicated. Uh, who's at the front of the party, who's at the back of the party is um, a big deal. And there could be tunnels that go to other locations in the dungeon or outside. And I would definitely make this part of the dungeon and have this as part of the adventure, but I wouldn't overdo it. I wouldn't want the party like spending 80% of the time fighting just in narrow corridors. Yeah. I think they, I think that would kind of they would get bored of that or it would it get it's, it's well, it, it, can it, like it, can it can be frustrating it can be tough. frustrating it's easier when believe it or not when you have less people um of course you know your party has less chance of surviving then but a big party it gets complicated um even with four or five players actually it's it can be well
0: yeah i mean there's there's times where it's like okay we're you know basically in a in a corridor that is you know big enough for or just big enough for like the largest character and then you are you know going there and you're you're looking around you're doing the stuff you need to do but then you have this problem and the problem is okay the villain or the character that we're interacting with is is you know in the next room there's a door in the way and then there's one person in the door and then four people or five people outside yeah. and you know, I hate those roles where you, you you hear the DM say, okay, they've rolled this, and that poor person in the doorway is just getting murdered. And there's nothing you can do because you're four people back. And you're like, mm-hmm. I, I could totally help. I could get in there and I could set them on fire, or whatever it is. And then you, you can't. Because, well, okay, my movement only allows me to... I can get two just before the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, unless, unless you're like a halfling and can you know, move through, uh, uh, you know, smaller areas. And, and yeah, you have a bit of an advantage that way. But ultimately, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm kind of picking on that one moment because you'd think we'd had that happen a few times. <laughs> well, like I said before, it's, uh, it can
1: be tricky, you know, with even to the point of the the movement. So, you know, oh, the, the party lost that character because the gnome only moved 25 and not 30. You know, or you move into a character's space, and then when you move out, the monster gets an opportunity attack against you. So it's get it gets uh, it gets pretty interesting.
0: Um, Why do parties never just back out, let the opportunity attack happen, and close the door? Okay, guys, there's a really big angry thing in there. Do we really need to kill it? Do we really need to go that yeah. way? Oh, we can go because opening the oh, door is not an action.
1: Opening the <laughs> door is just part of your turn. Oh, that's,
0: so. right. that's right. We talked yeah. about that uh, several episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome.
1: So then we, you can look at other areas, other elements of the dungeon. So the floors, obviously, obviously another good place. You could have traps and, you know, even entrances like trap doors. Then there's the ceilings where it's a good place to have things hiding, um, including creatures um alcoves like little niches inside dungeons you can have like you know a statue maybe or another good place for a trap um the halls the big chambers great places for combat um you know because of the tight spaces in the corridors better places usually in general for a battle to happen in the big halls and big open spaces um you know again if you're going to have humanoids running the place there's a good chance you're going to have guard rooms and you're going to have some sort of organized defense. Um, and again, the brighter, the smarter the monster, the better organized. And luckily most monsters are not that smart, uh, which we had a whole episode about. <laughs> most of the monsters do not know what they're doing and it's a good thing. Um, the Another element would be an armory. Again, if you have humanoid troops, and this is a great chance for the players to restock weapons, maybe to get an item they don't have. I always love including this. Because if you're going to have a guards, you know, a guard room, some kind of defense, they're definitely going to have an armory. And once in a while, I'll drop a few magic weapons maybe that if, like, maybe, the you know, the the orcs haven't noticed, there's some magical arrows in that armory, that sort of thing. And a good, good treasure for, a good prize for the... Uh, players um storerooms always going to have storerooms in a good place to have um, loot for the characters and uh, supplies and food um, as well as finding food in their kitchens and you, you have to think about what would these creatures eat like how much would be there how would they get it and then um...
0: exactly because they could be an organized force of humanoids of some kind that are intelligent enough to be like okay we have a chef and by the way mess mess hall uh, opens at 5 a.m or whatever it is right yeah where not every single dungeon is a bunch of you know large four-legged creatures that are just running around eating whatever they can find i mean that's yeah I find a lot of people kind of find that one zone and they kind of write stories that way. And they keep, you know, bringing the same sort of things to the surface rather than thinking that the dungeon could, well, actually like we were pointing out a little while ago, like the dungeon could be a boat. It could be a a large ship that you're dungeon crawling on decks Mm -hmm. of a ship. And then you get to the end and there's the villain or whatever. So yeah. Or it could be the beginning of something new. So,
1: yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Um, and thinking about how is, you know, how are they going to cook the food? How's the smoke going to get out of the dungeon? Um, how are they going to get fired?
0: Yeah. How <laughs> are they going to get... Little in the middle of the woods. You're like, what are these for? <laughs> yeah.
1: I always I always add that in. I don't... Uh, maybe once I've had a character kind of, like, checked it out because he wanted to find a way of, of seeing if... Yeah. I guess, yeah, they wanted to know how, was, how Where was the smoke going? Um, how are they going to get wood to run to you know to start fires cook things um, the garbage room I always like to have for humanoids like how are they getting rid of their garbage uh, usually I have like they're throwing it into the underground river or they're just or they're just bur- like they're just digging a hole in the cavern and burying it or um, recently I had one where which is quite common there's the otiag which is sort of the traditional garbage monster and they just, these pirates just had an otug captured in this big pit and they just threw the garbage in there all the time and it ate everything. Um, <laughs> then you have um, the you know, potential there's cells in a prison, slave pens, so people could be captured. I love that as an opportunity to introduce interesting characters. <clears throat> Often in our adventures, People who've ended up helping the party were people that were rescued by them. And it's also a good chance, though, to sneak in a spy or someone who's not going to help the party. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So, so so true. um, Then we have the treasure room or treasure vault. So, you know, these are always going to be locked, they're always going to have traps they always going to be heavily guarded, and, you know, the more complex, the more difficult it is to get
0: into it, the better treasure I would have inside. Okay. I think that that sort of balances out from, you know, risk, uh, challenge, reward. Okay. I could see that.
1: Yeah. And actually, what I do for most adventures that I prep is I just have a list of treasure including, you know, coins, magic items, art items. And what I do is I just have a list, and then as the adventure goes on, after encounters, depending on how tough it was and what the situation is, then I decide what things from that list now go as loot. Sometimes that means that if I'm if I've decided, oh, This account, it looks like it's going to be good for those two potions of healing. Then maybe the bad guy actually will drink one of them during the fight, and it's only going to be now one potion of healing left. Um, Or if they, maybe there's a plus one dagger, and maybe in the fight that's damage, so that actually, so it doesn't actually end up being used. But I, I basically keep a list, and I save the really good stuff for. You know the big the treasure vault or you know the big encounter of the night that's what i'm saving it for and again depending on how how challenging the fight goes and how things go that's how i divide it up
0: well especially when you have like one of my favorite things is like finding stuff uh that you wouldn't normally expect to find it like there's a few times where uh i know that we found treasures that are you know have been thrown away and you know there's a whole story there that you don't quite know like you know you know jeb's sword uh, a plus two thing that sets itself on fire or you can talk to it or whatever it might be is in the trash and you're like why would this be mm-hmm. in the trash but the thing is a lot of players will be like oh it's the trash room all right moving on and, you know, you could actually have like rewards like that, that I, I just kind of like that kind of stuff. Like you kind of want to dig around. Like when I'm in Skyrim, I'm in every corner. I, if I go into a place, I want to look for everything because you might find that one little thing. Oh, that's a ring. I should probably use that to to yeah. defend against, I don't know, evil vampires or something. But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things you could do that, or that could be done that that players would. hopefully encourage them to seek challenge like wandering around through the muck.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what I do too. There's almost no location or NPC that I have who doesn't have something. Right. So once in a while there might be a room where there's nothing in a, like in a dungeon, but I'd say 95% of the time, every single room in indoors or on a ship, or on the NPC's person. Everybody has something. You know, it might only be like 10 silver pieces, or it might be, like Shane said, it might be, uh, you know, maybe a diamond Um. got, you know, accidentally dropped into somebody's, into one chest, treasure chest when they, another one was getting cleaned out, and they thought it was empty, and, and they... They it ended up getting thrown into the garbage room. Maybe the chest is all like, maybe it's, you know, got damaged and they threw it yeah. in there. And now there's like a thousand gold piece diamond in the muck, in the garbage room. There's a million reasons why something could be somewhere. So that's why I Some, put something everywhere.
0: Pretty much. Something I did for a game, uh, was the, one of the NPCs that had joined the party, uh, had actually started stealing things. And so that character had built up, like when the, when the party, you know, defeated a creature and started searching bodies and stuff, they would find things. But if that character uh, at the time was, you know, either near the thing or were somehow in, in proximity, I might, I would actually take like, Oh, I'll take that. And now I'll give that to that character. So the players won't find it, but that character did. And then if that character ever died, then, which he eventually did, and they decided to search the body you know, for any useful things. It's like, why is he carrying 25,000 gold? Like, what's going on? Not that that would be it, but I'm just saying something with value. And they like, how did this character, he's been carrying, and you know, whether or not the players would kind of go, wait a second, we were looking for that thing that we were told was over here. So that kind of stuff could be done too. That'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a, you know, like, thieving like characters so why not <laughs> definitely I can totally see your characters doing that <laughs> um
1: so then we come to the final chamber or the main uh room it could be the quarters of the villain or it could be their like throne room or their meeting room you know it's gonna be more elaborate um it's mm. gonna be bigger again a good place to have a fight um most DD parties are you know four to six characters usually these days um it's funny because i think back in the original dnd i would say most parties are more like
0: five to ten even or five to eight they used to I be remember playing with larger groups i remember yeah. playing with probably 15 20 people at one time back in yeah. the mid 90s i think early 90s most likely but i think uh, part of
1: the reason was we were younger like the new most of the new players most of the players back then were young because the game was brand new and we had more time more free time and then when we were teenagers and a bit older um we had more um again more time and more energy (laughs) um and we're like okay we played for an
0: hour i'm going to bed (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and you hang out with bigger groups of people at that age and, you know, maybe you go to school with them or you play sports with them, you're in a club together. And yeah, to me, that's my my recollection too. There seem to be more bigger groups. And I think you're at that age too, you're more open to having a bigger group. You're more, you know, you get less, you know, you're less caught up in your own uh, routines and ways, I think.
0: Exactly. I um, uh, totally hear that, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> totally hear that.
1: So a bigger area usually is more realistic for a big fight with the big villain. Uh, it's cool to have levels. Again, that's something I didn't mention, but you could have like ledges in the dungeon with things. Well, I guess I did mention it briefly, but you could have ledges where things are hiding or different. There, we talked about that one famous chamber, I think it's a, yeah, in white plume mountain where there's like different mm-hmm. um, levels which is pretty cool. Um, Sometimes I've had levels inside with ponds or like indoor water features. There's my accent. (laughs) It almost never comes out. But when I say water, (laughs) there's just no doubt about it. Um, So yeah, elaborate, very big, can have levels. The cool thing I think too is to have waves of enemies. So maybe there's like, you know, the, you know, say the, Big bad evil guys, a, a vampire. Maybe his first level of, you know, defense are zombies, and then maybe after that are whites. And then you've got like vampire spawn. So having like waves of enemies, you can really use the environment too. Again, if there's natural water, like underground rivers, or maybe the ceiling is open, so you have things that could drop off the ceiling, like piercers, uh, okay. or there's a roper. I think,
0: isn't it in, I think it was when we were playing the end, the last few sessions of Strahd that the, I don't know if this is in, in the manual itself, like in the adventure, but there was a moment where we could actually break something to let in sunlight. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember, no, I don't think that was, I don't think that's actually in the module. I think that was just the adventure that we were doing. And somebody came up with the idea that we could have more sunlight or light up the area or something. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that we break the wall or a window. I, I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, it I think g- right. gave us a slight advantage against against Strahd because he's such yeah. a powerful character.
1: Yeah, I think somebody found a way to destroy the wall. You're right. And bring in sunlight.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I don't recall if that's actually in the adventure, if it's actually, you know. But that kind of, I mean, that kind of improv. If let's pretend for a moment that it's not in the actual book, but that kind of improv stuff, where a character can say, "Hey, uh, I want to do this thing," and the DM go, "Actually, you know what? That's that's pretty logical. You're not asking for a nuclear weapon. You're just like, oh, if I break this window, is it going to help? Um, because you know, then you have an escape route potentially. You've got mm-hmm. you know light that the character, the villain might have to avoid in that particular case. But uh, anyway, yeah, that just kind of struck me as final battles like there's there's all kinds i find that characters or sorry players get more creative in the final battle than anywhere else in a dungeon because they're suddenly up against something that's not just a minion and uh, and as you said waves of 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 enemies like oh good we just finally killed off the oh six more just walked in through the door because the noise attracted them or something and yeah those kinds of things are, are important
1: yeah, well, I think that's what everybody's waiting for. You're right. Like, you know, they're waiting for the vampire or the dragon or the beholder, the waiting for like, you know, or the evil priest or archmage. They're waiting for a lich. They're waiting for the big guy or the big thing or the big her to, uh, yeah. to deal with. Um, another good thing to have are constructs. You can have them around the dungeon, but, you know, an intelligent enemy might have a whole bunch of them in their main chamber. Um, And then you just mentioned escape route, which is a good point. And and a clever, again, a clever, intelligent leader of a dungeon, they would have another way out. So that's another aspect
0: that you could add as well. Yeah, because you don't always defeat 100% the big bad. The big bad does sometimes get away and, you know, they might leave all their treasure behind. They might leave all that sort of stuff behind. But you know, vampires are quite a classic uh character that if you hurt them enough, they're not dumb. They'd be like, you know, if I hang around, they're just gonna murder me. So yeah. Puff of smoke and I'm going out that window and I'm going home and I'll I'll deal with these guys later, or maybe I'll never see them again. But those kinds of things actually can happen with smarter uh adversaries. So
1: For sure. Like I- almost all of those that I mentioned, like you know, a lich would a lich would escape uh you know high level wizard or cleric um the dragon you know many many intelligent creatures they have they, they would have a way out and if things were going bad they would try to get out if you know they might and, try and to a lich,
0: too. a lich might be like yeah kill me whatever my corpse is like 600 miles to the south so whatever i'll be i'm just gonna i'm just gonna reappear there so yeah it'll be a lame i'll have to walk back to kill you but you know yeah but you know there's, yeah if, there's stuff like
1: that. yeah if they don't have access to their phylactery then they're gonna be returning so take me down <laughs>
0: <laughs> go right ahead. i don't need that
1: gold whatever i got more at home yeah. you're gonna pull an obi-wan <laughs> kenobi right yeah exactly. i will rise more powerful than ever if you strike me down
0: you <laughs> <laughs> the, the characters encounter the lich like an adventure or two later and he's like all glowy and stuff he's like you know i I should do that i
1: should have somebody like that who's like if you defeat me i will come back twice as strong so let's make a deal instead
0: (laughs) oh i like (laughs) it yeah (laughs) that would definitely give some players pause to be like oh i know i know there are like right right away away.
1: yeah personally (laughs) if i was playing I wouldn't. It wouldn't bother me at all. <laughs> but I know there are players who are like, hmm, maybe, maybe we can make a deal.
0: <laughs> the deal's gonna suck. It goes south on us. But
1: well, in my story, alignment still matters, so there'll be consequences.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. It's so so true. Uh the final chamber. It is, it is a goal. And when they're gorgeous and beautiful after the fact, like after you defeated the big bad, that makes it all the worthwhile.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 And um, next time we are going to have a very unique show where as we will be streaming live on the last hour of the Kickstarter.
0: That is right. So that means next Thursday, May 25th of this year, uh, we will be streaming... (laughs) I almost didn't get that out we'll be streaming from five to six is that correct five to six uh, for an, standard yeah uh, five and, to six um, where we'll be talking to you directly hopefully uh you will all have time to show up and hang out and talk about d d and well basically whatever else happens I mean you know there could be dancing bears owl bears or there could be uh you know doubt trout both that <laughs> doubt trouts yeah we just sit around yeah. going there was something we were supposed to talk about, but you know, I don't remember what it was.
1: <laughs> and remember that people always um anyone can send a message to us on the podcast links now. You can send a voice message. That's right. That's I right. Think someone um, sent a message actually on that already. Really? Oh,
0: oh, 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 I should look. I should look. I'll look after. I did the story. that got really exciting. Um <laughs> But, uh, but overall, yeah, definitely uh, leave us a message there. Uh, You can send us questions and then we will bring them in. Uh, We'll we'll listen to it and we'll bring that into whatever show it is, but definitely uh, get involved because as we were saying earlier about how uh, small publishers being supported is really a great thing to do because, you know, ultimately it's not a huge amount of money. You're not giving over $2,000 for a product. You're giving something reasonable and, uh, and getting some really great stuff in return because we, you know, generally can't compete with the likes of Hasbro where they're making however many things every year. But uh, part of that is to also get involved in our community. We have uh, a Discord. We have uh, Facebook stuff. We've got, we're on Twitter. You know, there's all kinds of ways to, uh, to yell at us about how wrong we are about everything. Or giving us kudos about how right we are about everything or of course, anything in the middle, uh, because at the end of the day, no matter what we say, it is just a game. And if you don't know that you should probably get outside more because (laughs) maybe, maybe, you know, just a little fresh air that you can come back in and roll some dice and be like, actually, this is really fun. (laughs) I'm just thinking we could,
1: we could actually, uh, take questions too from um oh yeah from uh maybe twitter or um
0: facebook we could you know we could do that next week as well yeah because there's all kinds of stuff that you might want to know i know everything so you know there's nothing i need to know but you might it's gonna Uh,
1: (laughs) that section of that part of the broadcast is going to be called just ask shane just ask him just ask
0: me because well i'll just tell you everything but uh but honestly yeah uh Come by next week; it'll be fun, uh, and I certainly hope you guys can make it. Um, and even if you can't, we're still around. We're there'll be a show the week after, and we're going to talk about all the kinds of other cool stuff. And uh, don't forget the Kickstarter uh, still running, and it'll be down below. Uh, stretch goals, stretch goals, stretch goals, uh, stretch goals are not something that uh, you know that you should just ignore. Uh, galley, galley gather support tell people about it and if they are interested in getting a really high quality book or maybe some uh, several books uh do it because uh, what have you got to lose other than be bored on a saturday night and have nothing to read because that's the other thing about the books they're fascinating to read the stories contained within the book just by itself are pretty damn cool and kind of unique um so there you go i'm gonna stop tooting horns because i just love them and you know i want to I want 20 more books because I'm an addict. What can I say? (laughs) But anyway, thank you all for watching. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And we will see you guys next week at the live stream and all kinds of fun stuff. Bye. Later.